There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Oh boy, I'll tell you, you can't you can't make this stuff up. You really can't. But I do have some good news for you today. And that is uh Mitt Romney's retiring. <laughs> I, I find that refreshing. I'm not a fan of Mitt Romney. And he said that, uh, and this is a man who ran for president in 2012, and he was the only member of his party to vote not once but twice. I mean, other people voted once. Donald Trump in an impeachment trial, two impeachment trials, And he announced Wednesday that he will not seek a second term in the Senate representing Utah, saying, now listen to this, that it is time for a new generation to step up and shape the world they're going to live in. Really? Did you bother telling that to like Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi? Because they're all in their, or will be in their 80s and they're running. He said his decision not to run again was heavily influenced by his belief that a second term, which would take him into his 80s, probably would be less productive and less satisfying than the current term has been. He blamed that both on the disarray he sees among House Republicans and on his own lack of confidence in the leadership of President Biden and Trump. It's very difficult for the House to operate, from what I can tell, he said, in a lengthy telephone interview. So I'm just curious, what's he going to do? This guy has been in public office forever. Governor, senator, presidential candidate. Does he, like, have a job? Does he have a skill? I mean, sometimes don't you wonder about these lifetime politicians? Like, what is their actual skill? What would they do? I mean, he's old enough so that he can just retire. But what is his skill? What is his, you know, what is his profession? (laughs) Does anybody know what Mitt Romney's profession is? Like, at least, you know, I know that um, George Bush was a businessman and had businesses. And and, uh, Barack Obama was a lawyer and taught at law schools. and, And Donald Trump was a successful business mogul. And, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. Ronald Reagan was a, a union leader, an actor, a governor. I mean, he had a lot of, uh, um, he had something to fall back on is all I keep thinking. Like Nancy Pelosi announced she's going to run again. Because what else could she do? Does anybody out there know what Nancy Pelosi's qualifications are for anything else? You don't know them because she doesn't have any. Half of these people never held a job other than public service. Not that I'm demeaning public service, but at least if I look at a Byron Donalds or I look at a Brian Mast or I look at, you know, some of these other um, 
people here in Florida, because that's who you look at first, they actually have had real careers and real, uh, their service has been quite obvious. Like, you know, Brian Mast was an, uh, an explosive devices disarmer who lost two legs serving this country. So, you know, I figured that, you know, he's probably got some skills. He's got a, a, a undergraduate degree and a graduate degree. I mean, he could probably do something. What can Mitt Romney do? I just, I'm curious, you know, what, what can Liz Cheney do? What is Liz Cheney doing? Because I haven't heard much from Liz Cheney. Wasn't she like, you know, the most important person in the entire country for a minute there? <laughs> the entire house? One of the few Republicans who could sit on that sham impeachment committee? I just don't know. You know, this guy has stood up against his party, is what they tell me all the time. He's he's a renegade. He's like the John McCain of this era. No, he's not. No, he just hated Donald Trump. He was one of his most outspoken critics. I don't think that's going to change. I don't think Mitt Romney, even though for a minute there, when Trump first got elected, Mitt Romney was angling for some position. But all I can say is, remember, he thought he was going to be Secretary of State. Does anybody besides me remember that? But that didn't last because uh, Donald Trump said, mm, get out my face. <laughs> you know, no, I have no room for you. And then, of course, he voted to convict Trump in the 2020 impeachment trial. And then in the second trial, which was, um, that came right after the January 6th uh, fiasco, both of those votes, but especially the first one, definitely cost Mitt Romney politically at home in Utah and definitely cost him broadly within a party that, whether they like it or not, because I know the political class hates it, but the people, the Republican voters, they are, by and large, Trump supporters. He dominates. I'm looking at polls again today. These numbers are staggering. He's so far ahead of everybody else in the Republican Party. You can, you can say all the nasty things about him that you want to. I've heard it a million times. You can't win. You can't get the suburban housewives. Nobody likes him. He's, the voters like him. Guess what it takes to be president? You got to get voted for. And, uh, you know, Mitt Romney couldn't couldn't win an election against a failing president. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, with his Paul Ryan sidekick. That was when I knew without a shadow of a doubt that Mitt Romney was uh, not even a rhino. A, a rhino could have some dignity. Mitt Romney is just a Democrat in sheep's clothing. Um, because of his opposition to Trump, he probably couldn't win re-election in Utah. I don't know. I haven't looked at any numbers, but now that he's announced he's not going to run, I'm going to start looking at numbers because now we need to find somebody who can win in Utah who can, you know, get the Republican nomination and go on to win the seat because that's a pretty good, uh, you know, feather in the cap of the Republican Party. I mean, this was a guy who was running on his father's name, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I remember George Romney. He was the governor of Michigan. 
He tried to run for president, I think, back in the 60s. And then he was the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under Nixon. So it's not like I haven't followed the Romney family history. I certainly have. But when you look at what's going on and when you hear him, you understand that he's a, he's a realist and he knows his future is glum. When he was asked about the 2024 president, presidential election, he said, he said, I certainly would like to help someone other than Trump become the nominee, but that apparently isn't going to happen. And I doubt my support will mean anything positive to any of the candidates at the finish line. So I'm not looking to get involved in that. We're talking DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy, who, as far as I know, even Ron DeSantis, they're all MAGA. They're all Make America Great Again candidates. And one thing I know about the American people, if we're going to choose a candidate whose platform is Make America Great Again, then his name is going to be Donald Trump. That's his catchphrase. That's his actual record. Not Ron DeSantis's and not Vivek Ramaswamy. I'm glad that they're speaking that language. I really am. Because I'm listening to Chris Christie. I'm listening to Nikki Haley. The only one you don't hear much from, and that's a terrible sign, is Tim Scott. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we were like, ooh, Tim Scott. Like, there's money behind Tim Scott. A lot of the big donors are thinking of moving over to Tim Scott. You know, these donors that were behind Ron DeSantis, they're going to move over to Nikki Haley. They're going to move over to Tim. I'm looking at the FEC numbers. They did not move over to Nikki Haley, and they did not move over to Tim Scott, and they did not move over to Vivek Ramaswamy. They're holding their money. They are. They're holding back their money. So, you know, what we have to deal with, whether the political class likes it or not, whether the consultants in Washington, D.C. like it or not, it looks like there's going to be a rematch between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And anybody who thinks that Joe Biden, Joe Biden will be able to win an election against Donald Trump without massive amounts of fraud and cheating, which I, I just don't believe they'll get away with again. I think there's too many eyes on them right now. If it's a Biden-Trump race, then we may have a president who... Uh, who's a convicted felon or sitting in jail. I, I, you know, that's, that's my take. I think Mitt Romney said in the interview that it was a 50-50 chance if they ran against each other. I'd say it's more like 75-25. You got to know what the people are, are talking about. I'm looking at all these videos now. I'm sure you guys have seen them as well. Latinos for Trump, African-Americans for Trump, women for Trump. They're everywhere. I know it's anecdotal, but when I tell you that all of a sudden, and I did not see this in the last election, I didn't see it in 2020, that's the truth. People are wearing MAGA hats again, and people are asking me if they can get bumper stickers again. People are ready for the fight. People want to make America great again. People are scared to death that we're going down a terrible, terrible path. And Call it populist, call it, uh, you know, uh, tyrannical or demagoguery or whatever these people like to call it. It's very popular with the American people. It's popular with me. 
And I'll tell you why. Because we're sitting here and we're watching as they start to taunt us that uh, you got to get a booster. You know, now everywhere you go, I've been to a couple of doctor's offices, and everywhere I go, it's like, get your booster, get your booster, make sure you get your booster, you got to get your booster, get your uh, booster, this booster is going to protect you. If you're over 65, get your booster, 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 booster. Let me tell you something. I'm not getting no booster. I don't know anybody who's getting a booster. Well, I should take that back. I do know, you know, some really political, hardcore leftists who are going to get a booster, but it's a political act. They don't think it's going to keep them from getting COVID, and they don't know if it's going to keep them out of the hospital or any such thing. But they have to make a political statement. We don't, we're not right wing, so we're going to get the booster. But everyone I know who's like, mm, you know, uh, I'm not getting the booster. I'm hearing a lot of I'm not getting the booster, and I'm certainly not giving the booster to my kids. So this is a political battle that's taking place in the spiritual realm, which is fascinating to me because I've always got one foot in the spirit and one foot in the world. And so I'm really positioned very well to see what's going on. And I could tell you right now, a lot of people aren't being quiet about their support for Donald Trump. Not like they were in 2020. And I can only point to myself because I remember at the end of 2020, or at the end of 2019 is more accurate, I was reluctant to get into arguments with people about the election. I really was. I mean, obviously on the air I can do it, but I didn't want to pick fights with my neighbors like I did in 2015 and 16. I was poking everybody then. I was confident that Trump was going to win and they didn't know how great he was going to be and he was going to be great, blah, blah, blah. And I was right. But in 2019, I was a little concerned because we had just come through a real scary moment where nobody was sure if we were all going to die of COVID. That's really what happened. And I was a little bit disappointed that, you know, people were being told that they had to get boosters and people were being mandated to wear masks. And even my guy was scared and I'd never seen him scared before. So eh, I wasn't as quick to put on my mega clothes. You know, I didn't want to have the debate because I was afraid people were going to say things like, well, but what's the difference between him and anybody else right now? But this time, let me tell you something. I'm maggot out. Man, I'm wearing Trump bracelets and Trump hats and, you know, Trump T-shirts. I wore the inauguration T-shirt from 2016 the other night at the Club 47. And I broke out all my women for Trump buttons, all, all, my, all my gear. And yeah, I'm just daring people, daring them. Come up and tell me that I shouldn't support him. Come up and tell me you think it's all right what they're doing to him. Come up and tell me that it's okay that the me me new Mexican governor just uh, decided that the Second Amendment isn't, uh, isn't relevant and she's not going to follow any of these constitutional things that she swore an oath to follow. You got me scared. And scared people do things to protect themselves. Donald Trump is going to protect us from the lunatics that are out there. Don't forget to download the app, the 850WFTL app, or visit the website, 850WFTL.com. That way you can listen to podcasts, the No Restraint podcast, the UAP podcast, podcasts of our various shows, the Cool Dad Rules. It's a great thing to have that app, plus you can get all the news and all the weather. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. 
Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So I was having uh, this uh, discussion with a friend of mine over, you know, it wasn't until I got an iPhone many years ago that I ever paid attention to the Apple insignia, I guess that's what you call it, or the logo, because I never owned an Apple computer. Now, both of my kids um, in college and in grad school, they both had Apple computers, so it wasn't like I never saw one. I just never owned one, so you don't really look at things if you don't use them. And then I got the iPhone. And the reason I got an iPhone was because my, my one of my kids, I think it was my daughter, insisted that it was the best phone for me to have and that I would be able to do these FaceTime calls with, uh, you know, with her and my bro- her brother and all this stuff. And so, I know, okay, you know, I'm sure it's good. And I've had iPhones since the very, since they came out. You know, I'm probably on my fifth, sixth iPhone because they become obsolete or at least, you know, you want better cameras, you move up the ladder. I guess I change them every two or three years. But I never, until I got my iPhone, never noticed that it's actually, the logo is an apple with a bite taken out of it. Now, you don't have to be like a pastor or a biblical scholar to know that that's really kind of uh, beyond edgy. That's really, you know, very profound in the biblical sense because that's the fall of man was the sin that Adam and Eve uh, allowed into the world, into the Garden of Eden, when they took a bite out of the apple. So I remember saying to myself, well, I don't know if I should have this, but then you get addicted to these phones and everything else. But today I saw an article which really just, again, every now and again, I forget things that I used to know. In France, They have now, literally, now this is intense, banned the sale of iPhone 12s. Now, I have an 11, but iPhone 12 is the next uh, one, right? They've been forced to take the model off of all the shelves in France because they've been singled out by the country's radiation watchdog, which goes by the initials ANFR. I don't know what that stands for, and it's probably in French, so even if I knew, I wouldn't be able to say it. But they had a series of tests, and what they found was the iPhone 12, its specific absorption rate was slightly higher than is legally allowed. So one of their ministers, the one who handles digital economy, told Le Parisien, which is a newspaper, if you already have an Apple 12, they need to take it back from you and give you a chance to get a different phone until the phones are brought into compliance. And if they don't do that, all of them have to be recalled. Now, think about that. Apparently, 
you know, they're going to tell you, and this is what they always say, well, we have a, a software update and it'll bring the radiation down and blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm starting to get really leery of all of these devices that somehow I used to doubt. I remember when microwave ovens first came out and I remember I refused to buy one because I hadn't been able to find any studies that had accurately assessed how much radiation was actually going to be happening every time I stood in front of the microwave, used the microwave, opened the door of the microwave, and I was very reluctant. And then after a couple of years, you know, they had some studies and the studies indicated that it was a relatively small amount. And, you know, obviously you're not supposed to stay with your face in it or anything like that. Um, and then before you know it, I had a microwave. And then before you know it, I had a bigger microwave. And then before you know it, I had a microwave in the kitchen and a microwave elsewhere. You know, it's like, wait, I'm, you know, in the family room or whatever. And that's what happens. We become used to things after we had some reluctance and resistance to them. If they're around long enough and we don't hear you know, a lot of horror stories, then we just start using these things. And now I have to make it my business to find out exactly what this is all about. You know, what do I need to know about the specific absorption rate? And is it higher than I want? I mean, I hold that thing up to my head every day, sometimes for far too long. You know, I've learned that th there's easier ways to talk on a phone, like in my car, I don't have to touch my phone. There's a, you know, Bluetooth adaptability in most cars. And so, you know, the phone is resting on the other seat and I'm able to talk. I've also learned, oh, surprise, surprise, if you're in your house and you're not bothering anyone, you can put it on speaker, right? And you don't have to have the phone anywhere near you. I mean, basically, it sits on the table or on my desk. So I, I do not spend a whole lot of time with the thing slammed up against my head like I used to. But I don't know. I ne I'd stopped thinking about the radiation in my microwave. And I never think, I don't think I ever thought that the radiation in my iPhone might be stronger than I know. But I guess it's time for me to start thinking about those things again. Because it, at my age, I can't afford any more radiation. I hate walking through the uh, TSA machines these days. Not because I'm afraid somebody's looking at my body, you know, because <laughs> I don't really think they see anything except outlines. And if you have something that you shouldn't be carrying, some kind of contraband, they probably see that. But, you know, I'm not worried about somebody checking me out, but I am worried about radiation. You know, used to be that you went into the dentist and they put this big lead apron on you. Now, not so much. You know, they put a little, like, lead bib on me, and the woman is actually holding the camera up to my face. It's no longer that big machine that they swing over and they put it up to your chin and then she steps out of the room and it's like, Bing. no, no, she's right there. Click, click, click. Everybody's getting their dose of radiation. So did we just get too comfortable and did we really not pay attention? And what are the long-term effects going to be? I, I, I'm starting to think about these things. You know why? 
because life is really precious when there's less and less of it, <laughs> when you know that you can't be around forever, unless, of course, you're a politician, because then you can be in office until you're, you know, 90. But the rest of us, you know, we probably figure life is pretty much uh, a lot of relaxation <laughs> after 70. I don't know. I'm there. I don't feel like relaxing yet, but one never knows. All right, let me take a break. You stay right where you are. There's a lot more to talk about. I do have to talk about some of this FDA authorizations of these mRNA things because I'm not calling them vaccinations. They're not vaccinations. And whether or not you're going to get them. Uh, by the way, I'm hearing from a lot of people that they're spotting the you must refuse to comply buttons on people they didn't even know what their politics were, which is awesome because we it's like a way of identifying ourselves, right? If you're afraid to wear a MAGA hat, just put on a you must refuse to comply button and people will at least know you're a conservative. I'll be right back. So, you know, I, I, I'm very reluctant to sign on to a lot of this artificial intelligence and technology I don't understand. And I'm sure m many people feel that way, particularly people of my generation or people even a little bit older and even people a little bit younger. Like we're just not familiar. You know, when I hear things like chat GPT, you know, this AI bot that's writing people's news stories for them, I get a little, uh, you know, like what good are, human beings are gonna be obsolete. We're just gonna have machines that can do everything and then what's the purpose? I said, I think it was yesterday I was telling the story of like, I got a bank that's only open for a couple hours a week. And it's because you can do all your banking on your telephone or at an ATM machine. But what about all those people that used to work at banks? It used to be a great job, particularly for someone who maybe wasn't able to go to college and get a two-year or four-year degree, but was smart needed to get a job, wanted a decent white collar kind of job, and they would go to work at the bank. You know, Puerto Ricans, when they first came over, especially those that ended up in New York or the ones that ended up in Chicago or the ones that ended up now in Orlando, one of the things that they had to deal with was a limited amount of English. They did know how to speak some English. It's taught in the schools over there, but they really weren't ready to just, you know, sign into college courses. And many of them, Went to work for banks. I have a number of aunts and cousins and secondary relatives who came up through Chase Manhattan and City uh, Chemical, uh, at the thing it was called the Chemical Bank. Can't even remember now. But all of these major banks that were in New York, and these people had high school educations, maybe they had a year or two of college, but probably couldn't find a good, pay, a well paying office job except at banks, you know, and they went to work in these banks. And then of course, banks started catering to Spanish speaking people. And these, these aunts and my, my, I think of one aunt in particular, Maria, that she was so positioned so well at the Chase, you know, JP Morgan Chase now, but at the time it was Chase Manhattan. She had been there for many years and now they were introducing, you know, Spanish speaking loan officers and all this. And she became a supervisor immediately and had a great career in banking. And you know, I asked her recently, did you ever get a degree? Like, did you go back to school and get a degree? She said, no, I was, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and everything was okay. I mean, she took lots of classes. She was very well 
she knew what she was doing. She was a true banker. But those were places where people who wanted to get a job could see upward mobility. And now they got machines doing all that. So you can't really learn much. I mean, if you're a loan officer at a bank, you probably have a master's degree in finance at this point. And now I'm looking at this article in the U.S. Sun, which really just, I got to tell you, this makes me very uncomfortable. There is an AI bot that is apparently better at diagnosing patients in emergency rooms than a real doctor is. Now, I'm not kidding. You know, I, I saw Ronnie Jackson, the congressman who's a doctor, an emergency trauma specialist, that's what his board certification is, a two-star or two-stripe admiral in the Navy. And I'm thinking to myself, there's a lot of experience for someone like that. He was in the battlefield uh, doing triage on very badly injured uh, soldiers and sailors and Marines and all that. So do, can a bot, an AI bot, actually be better at diagnosing than a human being? And if so, what's going to be the necessity for human doctors? And that's kind of, I don't know about the rest of you, but like I like to look in the doctor's face and be able to ask some questions, be able to advocate for myself. So the chatbot, apparently with the way they're marketing it to doctors, because doctors got to be thinking, oh my God, I spent all this money for a medical school education. I have you know, a daughter and a son-in-law who are going to be paying off medical school loans for another 10 years, and they're in their 40s. You know? So it's like by the time they finish paying off their school loans, their medical school loans, they'll be like ready for retirement. I get that too, by the way. I, I was paying my school loans off into my 40s. Yeah, until I was 52, if, I, if memory serves me correctly. And I didn't go to medical school, so I know that they're, they're, uh, the amount of money that they spent and that they have to pay back is enormous. But so now, why would you do that if you're going to be replaced by chat GPT? And so they're telling these doctors, because I asked my, you know, my kid, you know, what do you think about this? And she said, well, really the purpose will be to um, maybe reduce the amount of time that a patient has to wait for attention or even for a diagnosis. You know, they can, they can do enough to give us an idea, maybe give us a list of possible diagnoses, and then we can narrow down the work of the tests that we have to do. And so I'm thinking to myself, but wait a minute, how does this work now? Doesn't a doctor see a patient and in their head, based on their knowledge, particularly if they're specialists, like I have a, a, a niece who's a pelvic floor specialist, like if a patient presents themselves with whatever it is, uh, prolapse or, or maybe uh, incontinence, whatever it is, she knows that there are like five or six possibilities and then she sets about to diagnose which is the possibility that is affecting her patient and then she fixes it. She's a surgeon, she fixes it. So now, what's the purpose of chat GPT? Well, I'll tell you what the purpose is. You eliminate a, 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 the ability of the doctor to make an assert, to actually decide whether or not this patient is able to withstand surgery or if this patient is 
uh, potentially at higher risk because there are other factors. I don't know that AI is going to say, wow, you know, this patient is overweight. I don't know. Or this patient also has, uh, you know, asthma. Or this patient uh, shows signs of uh, liver dysfunction. Maybe. So this whole open AI stuff and chat GPT, these are very sophisticated intelligences and they speak to one another. They just said that this chat GPT AI has a better bedside manner than real doctors. What? <laughs> you know, have we become so mechanized that a real doctor isn't as good speaking with a real human being than a machine is? And guess what? They're more able or better able to pass medical licensing exams than real doctors. Uh, I don't know. Uh, this kind of stuff really scares me. It's happening all over the place in Europe and coming soon to uh, a hospital emergency room near you. So basically what you're going to do is you're going to walk into the emergency room. We've all had to walk into an emergency room at some point in our life, if not for ourselves, for a kid with a broken leg falling out of a tree, whatever. And now you're going to sit there and you're going to start writing down the signs and the symptoms and, the, and, and all this stuff. And then the chat bot is going to say, okay, well, it could be a broken femur, it could be a broken tibia, it could be a this, and now the real doctor just goes, okay, let me do an x-ray, and it is, and bingo. Then comes the robotic surgeon, right? Because right now we have robotic surgery that doctors still are required to participate in, but what, what happens when there's just the robotic surgery that you don't need a doctor to participate in? It's just gonna be a robot operating the da Vinci. I just feel like we have lost humanity and it's not good. It's why we're all so frustrated and so angry and it's why we don't believe anything anymore. When we come back, I'm going to take one break and then I'll come back and finish the show. But I do want to talk about these vaccines or these whatever. I don't call them vaccines. These mRNA, you know, uh, uh, inventions that are now going to be pushed down uh, into our lives again. And I told you, I'm not getting one, not going to do it. I'm like, um, who was it uh, recently who came out? Oh, Megan Kelly and said, my immune system has never been the same since I had a booster. And I can tell you right now, my immune system has never been the same since I had these shots. My husband's uh, COPD got so much worse after these shots. Could it be a process of his age? Possibly. Could it be something to do with the mRNA? Mm, possibly, but we're not allowed to talk about it. I'm a conspiracy nut. So stay right where you are, because after me will be Eric Erickson, and then all the great overnight, overnight hosts, and then tomorrow morning, it'll be Jen and Bill in the South Florida Morning Show, followed by Brian Kilmeade, and then, of course, the one and only Dan Bongino, followed by the one and only Joyce Kaufman. So no reason to touch that dial. Stay right where you are. I'll be right back. You got to really just uh, take a step back sometimes and think about this. I'm getting all these 
uh, text messages and emails from people asking, you know, apparently when I asked the question, what should uh, Mitt Romney or guys like him do when they finally step away from politics? And people <laughs> people are saying they should play Mahjong, they should be Walmart greeters, you know, just silly things. And then somebody said Romney was a businessman. Well, maybe he was, but I don't, you know, I think he was a financial guy, maybe a hedge fund manager. I don't consider that a real skill. Just saying. I mean, you know, I know some people who are very skilled at it, but if that was your job, you probably lucked into it and, uh, and, and it had more to do with your family name like Biden than it did with real skill. But I did want to say, look, you must refuse to comply. U.S. drug regulators, they've authorized this new COVID-19 jab, as my friend told me, call it the jab, to try and counter the really poor effectiveness of the boosters that exist right now. So they cleared these shots from Moderna and Pfizer, and they're making these shots available to people as young as six months of age during this month, the month of September. And they go on, Dr. Peter Marks, who's with the FDA, said, vaccination remains critical to public health and continued protection against serious consequences of COVID-19, including hospitalization and death. We encourage people who are eligible to consider getting vaccinated. You know, they're being very careful to say consider, you know, it's not mandatory. But I got to tell you, anybody out there and they didn't mention Novavax, which is the one that uh, is also available. But anybody out there who's going to take this jab, first and foremost, how many people do you know? I know this is anecdotal, but let's be real about this, right? How many people do you know that have had COVID multiple times, most of whom had the shot or had COVID in the past? So COVID, much like a cold, much like the flu, seems to be with us forever. Now, we now have some therapeutic ways of managing it that we didn't have when we first found out that COVID was a real problem, right? And half of the therapeutics that we have, we were told, oh, no, you can't, you can't take ivermectin and you can't take this and you can't take that. Well, guess what? You can take those things and they will help with symptoms, but we are not going to be able to beat back this disease. This is not uh, cholera. This is not going to kill mass amounts of people. And when you look at the data, all the clinical data that we now have to look at from all over the world, because this was a global concern, when you look at that data, you can see that the people who died died as a direct result of their other conditions, died because we didn't know what we were doing and we were intubating them left and right, died because we made them, uh, you know, delay treatment, didn't allow them to walk into hospitals. They died of loneliness if they were isolated from people uh, in their senior years. They they didn't die from COVID. And so if anybody out there wants to have this shot, this jab, you feel free to do that. But don't ask me 
what my opinion is, because I'm as clear as a bell when it comes to this. You must refuse to comply. I am not getting the jab. I am not going to have any kind of discussions about the jab. If the time comes where I'm told I can't travel, I can't do this and I can't do that because I didn't have the jab, then I'm pushing back this time. I really am. I won't go. If a country like Israel wants to tell me I cannot travel there because I haven't had the jab, oh well, I'm not going. You know, And if they want to tell me that I can't get on an airplane without proof of a vaccination, then I'll drive. That's all. This is enough. Enough is enough. You must refuse to comply with all this stuff. So I thank you for your time this time until next time. And my plan is to be back here tomorrow at three o'clock, if it be his will and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And you must, you must refuse to comply. May God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. I'll see you all tomorrow at three. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.